safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Puteoli. There, we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel and I am bound with this chain. <laughs> they replied, 
We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles And they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bless the Lord this evening. How's everyone doing out there? Good. <laughs> it's good to be in the king. It's good to be in the. House of the Lord with you this evening. Amen. Amen. Especially finishing the book of Acts. It's just an amazing man that Paul was. And uh, we're going to see that um, how he, the kingdom of God just continued to advance no matter where Paul was, no matter what was happening in Paul's life, no matter whether it was good, bad, whether it was crazy or whatever. Paul was steadfast in advancing the kingdom of God. And nothing, nothing moved him. Nothing, it seems like he, he was unshakable. And, and we need to look at these things, especially in the times that we're at now. The, the, everything is shaking. And yet, we need to be steadfast. And we need to be steadfast because people are going to be looking for truth. They're going to be looking for a solid foundation. 
They're going to be looking for love. They're going to be looking for acceptance. They're going to be looking for peace. They're going to be looking for joy. They're going to be looking for comfort. They're going to be looking for healing. And we need to be people that are not shaken by the things that are going on in the earth. And we also need to be people that are servants. And we're going to see this in Paul. It, it just it became so um, crystal clear in the, in the last two chapters of what, a, what an amazing servant he was. And, um, and, and in that, how the kingdom of God advanced. So let's, let's get into it and um, finish up and land here and um, just take home the things that God wants you to tuck in your heart and also begin to um, ask the Lord to make real in your, in, in your own life as I, as I am in mine. Make it real in my life, Lord. You know, uh, it, it means to be real with you, uh, working where I worked, um, finding that there's a person that I work with that's kind of hard to deal with. But what I've realized lately that it's not his problem, it's my problem. See, we're called to love. And if my attitude is in loving, I have the problem. You see, because what people want to see is Christ in us. And what was Christ? Christ was loving. Christ was gracious. He was kind. He wasn't impatient. He wasn't snarky. He was patient, long-suffering, gentle, and he, he, he handled the issues of man lovingly and kindly, and, and through that he advanced the kingdom. And so I'm looking at that and I'm saying, and, um, I'm saying wow, Lord, um, help me to love more. Help me to love more. So let's, uh, let's begin. So it says in chapter, in chapter 27, we see Paul, um, Paul's, Paul's advice was disregarded. And, um, you know, he had said, he had said to the people, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm discerning that there's going to be a loss of cargo. There's going to be, there is even going to be loss of life. And um, he was trying to persuade the men not to go on. But because they saw Paul and they saw his chains, they minimized who Paul was. They minimized his words. They kind of pushed him to the side, and they, and they went on. And lo and behold, uh, they find themselves in a nor'easter, and the things that Paul was talking about are coming to pass. So during this time, Paul ministers to a scared, tired, and hungry crew. So we see that this storm is raging. It's going on. The ship is being tossed and turned and turned, and um, they can't control the ship. The ship is going along with the wind. The ship is being battered by the sea. It's moving without their control. And it's moving to where they don't even know because they, they have not been able to, to take directions from the stars or anything like that for days. And so they really have no idea where they're going, what's, what's, what's happening. And you think in the midst of this, in the, in the midst of fear, you know, you ever notice that sometimes we take on the emotional, the emotions of other people? You know, we, we can, we, we can, uh, if, if people are, are frantic and scared, well then we, 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 t we, we tend to, uh, to, to get a, almost act as the same spirit that other people are acting in. Paul's not acting in that spirit. Paul knows that God is in control. Paul knows that God spoke to him and told him, you're going to Rome. 
So it didn't matter even if the ship was wrecked. Paul's going to Rome. Paul received the word from the Lord. He's on a ship. The ship has been in a storm for two weeks. Imagine we're in a storm for a day. We lose power and we, lo we lose hope. For a day. Or five. Well, it depends on how long your power is out. But I'm just saying, you know, a storm comes through, we lose power, oh, and our world turns upside down. Paul's in a storm for two weeks. And he knows that God's in control. And he begins to minister to the men where they're at. He's in control. Because he knows that God has control of the situation. He's at peace. And he begins to take control of the situation. And he begins to minister to, to their emotional and physical needs. He begins to tell them, you know, if, if you, and not in an arrogant way, but like, you know, if you guys had listened to me, we wouldn't be in this mess that we're in. But, and he begins to say, now listen, settle down. You've been in this storm for many weeks. So let's eat. Take something to eat. And then he says, an angel visited me this evening. And, and he basically said, none of you are going to be lost. Now, this is an amazing thing that happened. Because now at this point, Paul becomes a valuable advisor during this tumultuous time. See, when, when everything is going crazy and people are losing their minds or losing their peace, losing their sense of direction, what they need is somebody that's stable, that can actually even tell them, hey, listen, slow down, eat. Everything's going to be okay. The God that I know is going to get us where we need to get at without a loss of life. So he begins to encourage them. He begins to feed them. And it's at this point that we catch up with Paul and the survivors on, on the shipwreck. And they have discovered that they've landed on an island called Malta. I think that's the island that created Maltids. Somebody finally got that. All right. But anyway, so they, they land on an island called Malta. And um, verses 1 through 10. Here's the thing. Now, remember, this ship is being driven by the wind, by the storm, by the sea. They have no uh, ability to gain some directions. They have no uh, ability to steer the ship. And the and this ship lands on the, or shipwrecks, and they swim ashore, and they're on the island of Malta. They are exactly 58 miles south of Sicily. Who drove the ship? Not man. In the midst of a storm, God still guided the ship and got Paul to where he needed to be. It wasn't, it wasn't the captain. It wasn't the crew. It was God. Even in the midst of a raging storm, God still got Paul where he needed to be. And Paul knew that. And because Paul knew that, he was able to operate in faith and was able to calm, calm men that were basically stressed out and um, overwhelmed, tired, weary, and hungry. So we see that, the, that here they are. They've, they've landed here at Malta. And I have a question for you. And the question is, is why so much drama as Paul's heading to Rome? If God said to Paul, you're going, you know, you, you've witnessed for me here in Jerusalem, now you're going to be a witness for me also in Rome. 
Now, wouldn't it have just been easy to get on a boat, a nice calm sea, and, and land in Rome? No problem. We're there. We made it. Nice and calm. But no, there's a storm, it, it, and it's not just a storm. It's a nor'easter, and they're caught in it for two weeks. It's, tr- it's a tumultuous time. The ship gets wrecked. And, I, and I, I was just thinking on this, why so much drama when, when God had told them to go there? Why did it have to be this way? And I began to think about it, and, and, and what I come up with was these three things. One, Paul was a witness for Christ and his kingdom. See, if it had been calm, they would only looked at Paul as a prisoner. They wouldn't have seen him as a man of authority, even though he was in chains. They wouldn't have been able to be comforted by a man of God who had, who had, who had, witnessed, who had given, been given words by an angel of God to minister to people who were outside of the will of God. So Paul was a witness for Christ in the midst of a storm. Why the drama? Here's another thing to look at. Paul's in the midst of this storm with these men. And I don't see anywhere here where he went below deck and complained to God about the storm. I don't see anywhere where he, where he showed fear. They were, oh, we were all going to die. There's no complaining by Paul. There's no showing of fear. He's not taking on the, the emotional upheaval of other men. He's following the will of God, and that was enough for him. And because that was enough for him to know that he was in the center of God's will no matter what was upon him, and because of his faithfulness in the face of difficulty, God elevates Paul to a deliverer status. And he delivered men safely to the seashores of Malta. Now, God faithfully delivers all the crew and all the members to Malta. Now, God makes the islanders show extraordinary kindness to survivors. Now, understand, this, there's the shipwreck, there's the island, but they have no idea what island it is, nor what kind of people they're going to meet. They just got finished with a shipwreck, they're swimming to shore, and they don't know if um, their dinner. They don't know if when they get there, if they're going to be attacked. But Paul knew, listen, not one, not one life will be lost. So because of his faithfulness in the face of difficulty, he's raised to deliver his status. God makes the, uh, these men show extraordinary kindness. Now think about the survivors for a moment. Can you imagine going through this storm and all the work that they had to put into just to keep the ship together? Fighting all of these elements. Again, two weeks in the midst of a raging nor'easter, they must have been, they were, while they were exhausted battling a storm, now they have to summon what little strength they have left to swim to shore. And they get to shore and they're utterly exhausted. And, and here they are, they're vulnerable to the inhabitants who God allows them to be favorably disposed to them. They're kind, they show friendliness, they show concern. They welcomed them. And how nice it must have been to see another human being after being in such a storm, being, being in the midst of a storm for this 
amount of time to see a friendly face. And here it is, the grace of God, the word of God coming to pass that not one, one person would be lost. They're immediately ushered to a place of safety and warmth. Now here they, now think about this. Paul's in the same storm that they've been into. He's, he's been under the, he's, he's here and, and, he, and he had to swim the same distance that these men had to swim to. And what's Paul doing? He's gathering sticks. He's not laying down like, oh, wow, we made it. Thank you, God. Oh, no. Paul's like, what else can I do? How else can I serve? The fire's a little low. Let me get some sticks so that the fire can pick up a little more and that these men that have been with me for two weeks can find a little more warmth. Paul's not thinking of himself here. Oh, we made it. Wow. Oh, I'm just going to lay here now and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play victim status. Oh, help me. Help me. Pull, put me on a bed. Uh, start a fire. Keep me warm. Paul's like, no, where's sticks? He's still a servant. He's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of others. And that is what produces character in the kingdom of God. That no matter what's going on, no matter what the situation, we're still in a place of servanthood. We're still thinking, how can I serve? What can I do? Even to the point of just picking up sticks. What a testimony that must have been. They must look at this man and said, who is he? Remember, he's still in chains. But he's not hindered. And so here he is, he's picking up sticks. And in the midst of picking up sticks, a snake fastens onto Paul's hands. And now the natives pass judgment on Paul. It's kind of amazing. It's, you, you can be doing something and people don't understand what you're doing. And yet when, when one little thing goes wrong, they're very quick to want to pass judgment on you. Oh, he must be a murderer. Oh, he must be, you fill in the blank. She must be, fill in the blanks. You know, whenever you're serving and something goes wrong, people right away, want their opinion wants to turn of you. Or people on the outside want to look in and begin to judge you. And that's what happens here. They begin to look at Paul and say, oh, he's a murderer. And, and, and he hasn't escaped justice. And I, it's interesting here, they're all around the fire and they're all eating and all eyes are on Paul waiting for him to drop dead. I can't believe I got to say that behind the pulpit. They're waiting. It, it's, it's. They probably, there was a bet. Would it be five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour, an hour? They were, you know, probably the, the neighborhood bookie was taking, was taking money on what was, how long it was going to be before he passed. But here it is. Paul goes as if nothing happened. Paul's not shaken. The only thing that got shaken was the snake. Not Paul. And so the example of being a servant, the example of, of, of being kingdom-minded, the example of, of witnessing for Christ is staying steady, no matter what might try to attach itself to you. Shake it off. Fear, shake it off. Doubt, shake it off. The judgment of others, shake it off. Your own needs, 
Shake it off. As you're ministering to others, God will take care of you. Here it is. He's in a boat and he's taking care of others. And God's like, I'm going to get you to where you need to go. God will take care of us as long as we take care of other people. And so he shakes this off. Uh, again, uh, they see that he's not going to die, so they uh, said he must be a god. And then it's amazing what happens while they're on this island. See, God knows how to give you rest. These men have been in this, in this storm for this amount of time, and Publius, the landowner, on Malta, opens up his home to them. Now think about that too. Here are shipwrecked men who land on an island and they're, they're taken care of by the natives. And then this, this official just says, hey, come on over my house. That's the kindness of God being displayed in a man. That's God moving. That's favor. That's, that's, that the Bible tells us that God leads us with cords of loving kindness. And this is what's going on here. Because of Paul still being elevated to deliverer status, here they are now. They're in the house of a public official. And it says that this man entertained them for three days. Can you imagine how that just must have washed over these men? Now here they are. They're, after all that they had been through, God gives them rest. And they're entertained by this man, it says, for three days. Now, again, through Paul, the kingdom of God advances. Paul's with these men. He's in this home. And then he finds out that this man's father is sick with fever and dysentery. Now, it's kind of easy. You know, like when you read something, okay, dysentery, and then you just, you just, Breeze right through it. Well, what is dysentery? It's an intestinal disease caused by bacteria or parasitic worms. And the symptoms are severe diarrhea, blood and mucus present in the bowels. Again, I got to say this behind the pulpit. I'm having a good night tonight. But here, this man's pretty sick. You know, somebody like, I'm not touching that. Now, now, they show it on, on the screen, and here's this man, and he's in a neat thing. He's just lying there kind of peaceful. He's sick with dysentery. He's got diarrhea. It probably, was a, it probably was not a nice room to walk into. And yet, Paul walks in, lays his hand on the man, prays for him, and the man is instantaneously healed. The kingdom of God advancing. Not looking out for the welfare of himself, but the welfare of others. And again, so Paul lays his hand on this man. The man is healed. And the word and the testimony goes out throughout the island. And they all bring their sick to be healed. Now, I want to say something here. When reading this, did it say that Paul gave a sermon before he did any of this? Did he take up an offering? Did he say, listen, my hours are on 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, and Saturday and Sunday I'd like to take a little rest. Uh, you know, this is a nice beach. Maybe I'll go down to the beach on the weekend. No. 
It just shows that Paul, because being just being a servant and, be, and God being who God is and Paul being open to be used by God wherever he was, healing flows throughout the whole community. The whole island bring everyone that's sick and they all get healed. The kingdom of God advancing. Now, it didn't say that, that through this people were saved. It didn't say that Paul started a church there. It didn't say any of that. But the next person that came to share of Jesus Christ with them, they were open because they had a testimony of what God had done through one man who survived a shipwreck. The testimony is strong now. Who, who knows who the next person was that, that God said, I want you to go to this island and I want you to begin to minister to the king. And all of a sudden, these people get saved and he's like, wow, this is amazing. Look at, what I, look, look at what's happening. And not knowing the seed that's been planted. And that's the thing that we need to be when we're kingdom-minded. It's not about results. Sometimes it's not about preaching. It's about being open and ready in a moment to minister Whatever the, situ whatever the situation may be. And that's where Paul finds himself. From surviving a shipwreck to picking up sticks to healing the sick. No job was too small for Paul. And here it is. So Paul stays on this island for three months. He ministered to these people. The kingdom of God is on full display through this one faithful, obedient man. And upon their departure, the natives supplied all their needs. Think about it. They probably, it wasn't about, well, you know, money. But when they probably, because of this amazing man, and they probably went up to him and says, what do you need? And all of Paul's needs were met by the time he got on his next ship. He had all what he needed to take the next journey. And so it's not worrying about our needs as he put the needs of others first, when it's time for him to take the next journey, his needs were met. And that's something great to take out of this. So a lot of times we get caught up with our own needs and we miss the kingdom of God. We're so, I'm so used to taking care of what I need to take care of first that I miss my brother and sister, I miss my neighbor. I miss the stranger because of my short-sightedness. And the reason why I'm saying mine is, is because I'm, on a I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and saying, wow, what an example here. This is how the kingdom of God goes forward when it says that we are to, to regard others as better than ourselves. And so Paul's the living example of this, and he can write it because he lived it. So he put the needs of others first. The men on the ship, as they were shipwrecked, he went and picked up sticks. He made sure they were warm. A, a house opens up. There's a man very sick in, in, in a bad shape, and he goes in and, 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 he, and, and, and through, through Paul, he allowed, God is allowed to heal this man. Then through Paul, God's allowed to heal an island because Paul put others before himself. He put the, the needs of others before himself that when the time came for his needs, it was met. That's a good principle. And so he gets on the ship. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Lord. Paul arrives in Rome. 
verses 11 through 16. After being on the island of Malta for three months, Paul, Luke, and his guard set sail on an Alexandrian ship for Rome. They arrive on the east coast of Sicily to a city named Syracuse. So that's stop number one. Then they went on to Regium, which is modern-day Reggio Calabria. And I like that because uh, my adoptive mom, uh, that's her roots, is Reggio. And then the next stop is Putoli. It, now, Putoli is approximately 150 miles from Rome. So Paul still has a little bit of traveling to do. And he's, he's, he's getting closer and closer to the destination where God is wanting him to go. And we've seen it wasn't an easy trip. Sometimes when we're on the road that God has us on and it, it doesn't get easy, the first thing we want to do is turn back. Maybe I didn't hear from God. It, it's, it's, it's not supposed to be this difficult. Hey, if it was difficult for Jesus and it's difficult for Paul, we got to allow it to be difficult for ourselves. You know, we can't look at it and say, oh, the devil's attacking. Maybe he is. Don't give him credit. You're about to advance the kingdom of God. Of course the devil's going to attack. Don't turn back. The Bible says in Luke, he who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is of no use to the kingdom of God. We're to keep plowing forward. Keep pushing forward no matter what. Keep moving forward. I'm doing the will of God. I'm looking out for others. And when the opposition comes, don't be surprised. Let it happen. Keep your faith. Keep your worship. Keep yourself in the word. And keep pushing forward. Because you know what? People want and need, even in this time as it gets even more rough, they want to see people moving forward with a purpose. So here it is. He's 150 miles away from Rome, and they're starting on their way to Rome. And on their way, they meet some believers. And they're taken, and they're taken in for seven days. Now think about that, too, because God provides... It's 150 miles, and, and, and they couldn't call an Uber. There's no train. There's no, there's no, there's no bus. There's no taxi. They might not even have been a camel. I don't know. But it's 150 miles from Putoli to Rome. And somewhere along the path, whoa, lo and behold, some Christians. Hey, stay for seven days. Why? They needed to rest. Again, God provides Paul's needs. God will provide your need as you keep moving forward in the direction that God would have you go. He'll meet your needs. So they get to stay for seven days, and they finally make it to Rome. Now, upon hearing that Paul was in Rome, people from various places begin to come and meet with Paul. One of the places is Apias, which is 43 miles southeast of Rome. So Paul's reputation is preceding him. It's going forward. Think about this, too. There's no cell phones. There's no Facebook. There's no, the word of others, Paul's on his way to Rome. Paul's on his way to Rome. The churches, I mean, Paul's on his way to Rome. The buzz begins to 
take on a life of its own, that when Paul gets to Rome, people begin to meet with Paul who have, tra- who have come from 43 miles out. They say, well, 43 miles out. Yeah, try doing that by foot. Try doing that by cart. Try doing that by donkey. It's a, that's a big distance back then. A lot of wear and tear on your dairy air. <laughs> they also come from the three ends, which is 27 miles from Rome. So can you understand? The buzz is out there. And people are like, we want to see this man. We've heard so much about him. The testimonies of this man, the churches that he, the, the other people that have come and have talked about Paul and the miracles that he's performed and, and the solid man that he is for God and the servant that he is. His reputation, Paul's name, preceded him. And people come to meet with him. And so as they begin to meet with him, Paul is encouraged. And he encourages those, it's vice versa. Isn't it amazing sometimes you, uh, the, the place when you need encouragement the most, all of a sudden some, God sends somebody your way and they begin to encourage you and refresh you and, and you begin to c- encourage one, some, someone else and it's back and forth. You know, I, I can tell you that um, I may not speak to you very often, but I see you, and just seeing you is enough of an encouragement to me. Seeing you here tonight on a Wednesday evening, that's an encouragement. That's an encouragement to your pastor. You know, oh, it's a pandemic. Oh, oh, it's a pandemic. Guess what? We're going to church. There's riots in the street. I'm going to church. There's demonstration. There's an election year. There's, it's an upheaval. We don't know what's going to happen in November. I'm going to church. That should be I'm going to church. The world's coming unglued. I'm going to church. I'm going to sit in the house of God. I'm going to find the strength that, God, that I need from God to be able to minister to people without God. Where am I going to get it? Church, the direction of our pastor, the words that are coming from from him that he's receiving and giving to us, they're they're manna for what's about to come. He's preparing, the pastor's preparing us for the upheaval that's to come. The word of the Lord that came from Sister Nancy, preparing us for what's to come. Where would, would you have received that if we were fearful of the pandemic? No, we would have missed it. Some people did. But there are a bunch of Pauls out there who are weathering the storm and preparing themselves to pick up sticks and to warm someone else. You're preparing yourself to come to to a place where you're going to lay your hands on someone, you're going to pray for them, and they're going to be instantly healed. And, that, and that's going to go out. The church, the church, is go, the church is going to be the beacon through this time. The church is going to be. Yeah, people, the, the mainstream media and academia want to minimize the church. The church cannot be minimized. A pandemic didn't minimize the church. The word still got out by, by internet. And it reached more people through the internet that, that we, ha- we haven't even met with yet. Because nothing shakes the kingdom of God. 
The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffereth violent, but the violent take it by force. We're here to serve God. We're here to, to push forward and to push back the powers of darkness and to proclaim the kingdom of God, to, pro to proclaim Jesus Christ is king and he's coming back again. He was dead and now he's alive. His blood forgives us of sin. We have the message. We have the passion to deliver it. So here we are, Paul's in Rome. And he meets with these, these people, these, these Christian believers. And then Paul settles, finds an apartment. And him, Luke, and the soldier find a place to live. Now, Paul gets right down to business. you got to love Paul. You think that after being in a nor'easter for two weeks, shipwrecked, having to swim to an island, uh, being on this island, and then riding another boat, and then another boat, and then traveling 150 miles, you think that, wow, I need a break. Three days later, Paul meets with the Jewish, with the Jewish leaders of Rome. Paul's about, he's about business. I'm alive, I'm safe, I still got, uh, I've got all my faculties, not a bone is broken, I haven't got a cut, a snake that bit me didn't harm me, I'm down to business. Paul goes and calls, calls the, Jewish, the, Rome, the Jewish leaders from Rome and says, listen, I'd like to meet with you. And he begins to basically proclaim his innocence. Think about it too. He's in chains, and he's testifying to what was going on in Jerusalem and how he was slandered, how he was, uh, false charges were brought against him. So he defends himself, and he says, I've done nothing against our custom or our people. And he explains his circumstances. I'm a prisoner sent from Jerusalem. The Jews in Jerusalem would not accept my innocence, so I appeal to Caesar. I'm in chains because of the hope of Israel. Now, again, we can read that and go, uh, well, that's a nice saying, but what does it mean, the hope of Israel? The Jews understood that. I'm in chains because of the hope of Israel. They knew what the hope of Israel was, the Messiah. He says, I'm in chains because of the Messiah. What the 12 tribes of Israel were hoping and waiting for. The Messiah who is the hope of eternal life and salvation. And they say to him, no report from Judea or other Jewish provinces came to us concerning you. But they want to know, because Paul is testifying to them, we want to know about this sect that you belong to. So Paul invites them in. And large numbers of Jews come to hear Paul. And Paul, it says that he began to minister to them from the, from the law and the prophets from early morning till evening, explaining to them about Jesus Christ. He testifies about the kingdom of God. He tries to persuade uh, them concerning Jesus. He uses their understanding of the law and the prophets. Some of the Jews are open to his teaching and some are not. And think about this too. Some will be open to your testimony and some will not. You just keep on moving forward. Paul pronounces judgment on the Jews that would not receive it out of Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. He said, he said, go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. 
Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. So the Jews that harden their hearts to the message of Paul, Paul gives them this proclamation, and they leave. The word of the, God, the, word of the Lord is going forth, and they harden their hearts, and they left. And Paul basically, basically proclaims to them, I'm going to the Gentiles. And basically, it's because they'll believe, even though you won't. Here's Paul's Roman legacy in this place. He welcomes all who came to his door. He preaches the kingdom of God. He testifies concerning Jesus, and he operates in a season unhindered. And this is where, where it closes. Now, Paul was martyred under Emperor Nero Claudius Augustus, he basically Emperor Nero, around the time of 64 A.D., Nero was a brutal, irresponsible ruler. He forced Christians into gladiator matches, uh, and he fed them to lions, and he also used them as human torches to light his street. This is the man, this is the evil man that had Paul beheaded. I hope tonight that you were able to glean some of the things that from Paul's life, and we can take it and understand how important it is for us to be kingdom-minded and other-minded instead of our own-minded. God bless you. Pastor Rick.